Good morning. Welcome each of you to Boiling Springs Baptist Church. We are glad that you're here this morning. We know that uh, many of you have been active this summer and some time away and others may be planning that time later today or this week, but we are glad that you're here and we look forward to worshiping together this morning. The, fam- the uh, flowers today are in honor of Grayson Michael Collins and his parents, Samantha and Kenny Collins. And having said that, uh, for two Sundays in a row now, we are beginning our service in a very special way with the dedication of Grace and Michael. And as we join together as a church family, we join together with this family in celebrating uh, this special day. Someone asked me this week, uh, why did we not do all the new babies last Sunday? And we need to communicate that we are now uh, having a special time for each family as we move forward, not only this fall and next year, uh, for each family that has a new addition to have their own special time of dedication uh, here at the church as well. So Collins and family, extended family, welcome, and we look forward to celebrating with you this morning. As the family of God, we rejoice in God's good gift of life through the miracle of birth. Today we join with the parents of Grayson Michael Collins in embracing their child with open arms. Even as Jesus welcomed little children and their mothers with words of blessing, we acknowledge God's abounding love already at work in Grayson. And we come today to pledge ourselves in covenant to nurture him into fullness of life. Samantha. And 
invite the children to come forward who would like to participate also. Today we celebrate miracles for the Collins and for us. Life that God is given them a most precious gift. We hold in our arms the, the present of God, God lovingly shaped in the image of God, named out of our most sacred faith in what God continues to do our deepest hopes for the future, and our abiding love for each other and this community. You hold in your arms a marvelous incarnation, a love made of flesh and a relationship, of potential being realized in a wonder of individual growth. We are in awe of our responsibility and our privilege. Our joy is being made far more complete in this lifelong investment, this lifelong commitment. From the heart of God into the heart and arms of this community. As children of this church, Grayson needs big brothers, big sisters to take care of him. I ask you as children, will you love Grayson? I ask you as children, when you're playing on the playground with Grayson, will you pick him up if he falls? You are the children who will love other children. You are the children who will share the love that God has given you and that he will give Grayson as he grows. Will you love Grayson and cherish him? Briley, will you love Grayson? Yes. Brayton, will you love Grayson? James, will you love Grayson? You're going to... You want to share? Will you love Grayson? 
You have a little, a little one at home that you love, I know. Let's pray just a minute. As children, Grayson, we love you and we will take care of you. We will pick you up and hold you and love you. Amen. I want to invite everyone to take a look at your order of service and join as we read this covenant with Grayson and with his parents this morning. Parents, with gratitude to God, do you receive this child as a precious gift of God? And do you seek God's grace and this community's support in nurturing and caring for this child? Do you covenant to remain faithful in love to your child, whatever the future may bring? Do you promise before God and this community so to fashion your lives that your child may come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? We do, do, with with God's God's help. help. We now ask that the congregation stand in support of this family if you are able. The church, as a family of God, gladly joins you in holy covenant for the care and nurture of Grayson. Do you promise, as a community of faith, to surround this family with your love for the strengthening of their life together, to be for these parents and this child a family in Christ whose love for them cannot be broken? to accept this child into your loving care for shared responsibility in his growth toward fullness of life in Christ, to tell this child the good news of Christ, to help him learn Christ's ways and to lead him in service to God and neighbor. Church, this is Grayson Michael Collins. Grayson is the son of Kenny and Samantha Collins, the grandson of Mike and Sharon Coker, the great-grandson of Jack and Carol Coker, and the nephew of Benjamin and Thomas Coker, who are all here today. Grayson, as you get a little fussy, (laughs) you have such a big family that unconditionally loves you. All of these people that you see right now, we are your church family. There have been so many people here who have prayed for you, and we are filled with so much joy that you are here now. Grayson, we hope as a church that we are what and who you need us to be. There are people here today who will be your friends, your mentors, your teachers, and your support. As a church, we commit to you, Grayson, that we will pick you up when you fall down. We will build you up when you are broken down. And we will live as models and examples of Jesus 
so that you may see what a Christian truly looks like. Grayson, we promise to encourage you, to challenge you, to walk beside you, and to love you through every step of your life. Church, Grayson's life is full of opportunity and hope. Maybe Grayson will be a musician like his mom and dad. Maybe Grayson will become a teacher, a doctor, a construction worker, or a minister. None of us can know what Grayson's life holds before him, but our job as a church family is to show our love and support for Kenny and Samantha, their entire family, and most importantly, for Grayson. As he begins this messy and beautiful journey of life, seeking God's plan that is unique to Grayson. Grayson, the people of Boiling Springs Baptist Church promise to love you, to support you, to build you up, and to live as examples so that we may show you Christ in the way that we live. Grayson, Kenny and Samantha, and family, we as a church family pledge our love and support to you. As a church family, we present Grayson with a certificate and a New Testament to remember him to remember this day. From the children, we present a book that Kenny can use to snuggle down and read the Bible. Thank you. Join me in prayer. Lord, on this special day, we ask that you remember this family know that they are walking in faith every day, that Grayson Michael Collins is a gift, a gift that you have given them to raise, to endear their faith, to know and to love and to share. Lord, as this church and family and friends, we lift him up, we know that through our hands and our hearts, you will give us the faith, the hope, and the love to share with Grayson, Samantha, and Kenny. Lord, bless this day, bless this gift. We ask that through your son, who was your gift to us, in Jesus' name, amen. And now we would sing our hymn of response, number 528, Lord, for the gift of children, 528. If you would, if you are able, please stand and join in singing.
church family would like to extend sympathy this morning to the family of Bill Daves and Lisa McFarlane in the passing of Mary Lou Daves uh, earlier this week. We also today rejoice with um, the Surratt family and uh, the good news that uh, Lynn has been sharing with us this week and that Jane's cancer has been, uh, there's no sign of cancer now after the uh, lung surgery last week and uh, she will hopefully be coming home uh, tomorrow from uh, Carolina from, uh, or atrium now I think is maybe the right word, I'm not sure. But uh, we rejoice in the good news there, but there has been some leaking in the lung and that is beginning to heal itself up and the doctors are pleased with the progress there and so uh, they very much appreciate and want the church family to know they appreciate your prayers and concerns during this time. We do want to continue to remember Pat Bowen, who has been now uh, transferred to the hospital in Concord, and uh, she has just had a, a difficult time, uh, continues to have that, and so we want to uh, be in prayer for her. And we also know many in our church family that are undergoing treatment, and let's be mindful of those individuals as well. Before I pray, I need to make mention of something. There is a table kind of somewhat behind the organ over here against the wall. And on that table is the name of every individual that is going on the Guatemala mission trip coming up two weeks from yesterday. And what we would like to ask of you, you have been so gracious with your financial support and in other ways, but uh, the, the biggest thing that we need is prayer. And uh, there are two ways you can do that. One is there's a general prayer guide over there. You can pick that up and just be in prayer for each member and for the larger aspects of our trip and travel and for the people that we will meet while we are there. But also, if you would like to pray as a prayer partner for one individual on the team, we ask that you sign up under that individual's name. There's a clipboard over there with the names on it. And then take a slip of paper out of the envelope that has their name on it. And if they were talking to you personally about this trip and what their concerns are, maybe they their anxieties are about the trip, uh, you will be able to read that on their little prayer slip. And we ask that you begin praying for them today and until they get home from this mission trip. So for three weeks, we ask that you pray daily for that individual. So those things are over there and please see that table after the service if you are willing to pray for the team and again to pray for an individual. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we're grateful as we think about um, this Guatemala team and 11 that have uh, said, yes, I'm gonna give up my week and I'm gonna go to a place that I do not know much about and serve and minister among people who I do not know a lot about at this point. We're grateful that people respond to your call to go on short-term mission trips, but Lord, we're mindful of Acts 1-8 when you've told us that uh, now we are called to be your witnesses, both here in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Father, help us to be faithful witnesses, whether it's here in our Jerusalem of Boiling Springs, Shelby, North Carolina, in the U.S. on a mission trip or in other ways and Lord throughout the world. Help us to be your faithful witnesses. We're grateful for the church family and God, we come today to celebrate with a wonderful family and we thank you for the life of Grace and Michael Collins. We do ask for your continued blessing on him and his parents and his family. We thank you so much, Lord, that as a church family, we do life together. We celebrate, we grieve, we uh, try to figure things out together. And Lord, we're grateful that you're here with us in the midst of it all. Father, we ask for your blessings on the service today. Every word spoken and prayer prayed and as your word is read and preached today, Father, draw us close to you. We do pray for those and our hearts are heavy towards those who are suffering at this hour. We do pray for Pat there in Concord and continued healing and, and just joy and peace in the life of Jane Surratt. For others who are undergoing treatment at this hour, Lord, we do pray for their healing as well. 
God bless all our men and women who serve you, uh, not only here at home, and we think of Cecilia Beck here in Shelby, but missionaries, Lord, throughout the world. Lord, be their provision, and Father, bless them with fruitful ministries. Father, we give you this day. Bless each one here and those who are traveling who are not with us this morning. Bless them and bring them back to us safely. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our hymn is number 489, The Potter's Hand, 489. If you're able, please stand and join and sing.
pray. Dear Lord, you're an awful good to this congregation, this church house here. You've blessed us very well. Our Sunday school lesson this morning was, central question was how to celebrate God's gift, gifts, both material and spiritual gifts. Material gifts, we tend to save the Lord for last sometimes and get some stuff we don't need maybe and times you need it time to trouble but it's easy to just consider our offering a another bill to pay but it's not as the Lord told the ancient Hebrews it's really a tribute a way of giving back to the Lord what's actually his to begin with because he created everything he owns everything including us Help us be good and faithful with our offerings and keep this church alive and strong, support missions around the world and missions here at home. Let's be generous, Lord, and give because we love you. That's the main thing to remember. For all you give us, I thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thank you, Lindy and Sam. I hope you've been enjoying or been reading through Proverbs uh, this summer in the 31 days of July, 31 chapters of Proverbs challenge that we have talked about for a few weeks. And this morning we're looking at one verse and I would encourage you if you do have your Bible open, even though we will have it on, it's, it's on the screen, to see how it reads in your Bible. This is the way we're gonna read it together this morning. I would like for you, again, to read it with me. Proverbs 22, six. Let's read together. Train children in the right way, and when old, they will not stray. Father, I ask for your blessing on the reading of your word and the preaching of it this morning. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. This morning we are looking at a familiar verse. Today is uh, July the 22nd. We find ourselves in Proverbs 22, uh, 22 verse six. And uh, it's a verse that relates to parents, but to anyone who has influence over children. For some of you, that would be adult children. But here we find ourselves this morning. This week I asked a few parents on Facebook to give me some parenting advice. And I thought I might have five, six, eight, ten responses, but it seemed to hit a nerve with some folks, and I had over 40. I'm not going to share all those with you this morning, but what I do want to share are some good, bad, funny, and indifferent responses that I received, just a few of these. One, I'm going to start with some of, the, some of the better ones. The relationship is the most important thing. You can have consequences for poor behavior. You can be disappointed, hurt, even outraged by behavior, but let your kids know that you can't do anything that makes you stop loving them that they can't do anything that makes you stop loving them. Good advice. Somebody else, a good friend of mine from Winston-Salem chimed in. He says, what comes easy won't last, and what lasts won't come easy. Also good advice. Teach your children to live by the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. There is absolutely no formula. Someone here locally chimed in and said, there's absolutely no formula. Every child is different. Every generation varies. You pray and struggle and do all that you can to follow the spirit and ask God to do the heavy lifting. I love that. Don't burden your children with adult problems. I like that. Tim Keller's book, Grace-Based Parenting, says he's in something, he says in similar ways, something similar to the fact that we should parent our kids the way God parents us. The next one, I have to mention the name. I haven't mentioned the names on any yet, but it's Daphne Bridges. We all need to listen to what Daphne Bridges has to say. And Daphne Bridges is on Facebook, yes. Yes, she is. She says, my dad told me if he found out that I had been smoking, he would kick my behind so hard I would be walking on my elbows the rest of my life. I do not smoke. 
this isn't really advice, but when I was a kid, my mom used, this is what somebody said, when I was a kid, my mom used to look up to the heavens when we were being terribly ornery and say, take me now, Lord, take me now. I never understood what was going on until I had kids. <laughs> and the last one that I have to share, just do the best you can. They all eventually end up in therapy anyway. <laughs> I can't think of another verse that is used more in churches and in talking about uh, raising kids than Proverbs 22, six that I read earlier. Many have interpreted and understood this verse to be a heavenly guarantee of success when raising children. If they did their job right, when they lay their heads down at night on their pillow, they can know that their children are walking in the ways of the Lord and that everything is gonna turn out great and there's nothing to fear. Right, parents? Okay, okay. well, you don't have to comment. To the young parents, this verse has offered great comfort as they look ahead at the fearful task of parenting. But to older parents, this verse sometimes can serve as a dagger to the heart. Parents who have done the best that they know to do, best that they knew to do in helping their children know and understand the ways of God have now watched their children wander from the straight and narrow. Some, had looked, some in the church could look at them and wonder, what did they do wrong? How could they let this happen? If they've done their job right, then their children would not be experiencing this prodigal path. Proverbs 22.6 is sometimes used as a hammer to beat down the already heartbroken people who have watched their children leave home and leave the values and the teachings of that home. I wanna stop here and make an observation about the nature of the book of Proverbs. They are statements about the general course of life, but are not meant to be ironclad promises and absolute guarantees. As you've read through Proverbs this month, you've probably realized that on your own. Some of the things you're like, yeah, that's true, wow, yeah. I mean, it, it, they're, they're insights that just, some of them are common sense and others are deeper, and yet you're like, hmm, that doesn't happen every time, just like the way, like the way it says here. We could list numerous Proverbs that are stated as settled fact, when we know, again, through common sense and reading that there are general truths about how life should work, but not necessarily universal declarations with no exceptions. Some parents have taught well, guided well, loved well, and the child or now the adult, again, has departed from the home and from the values of the home that they were raised in. So how should we interpret Proverbs 22.6? The natural way many interpret this verse, it's about raising children, raising children carefully and training them in the ways of the Lord. Um, it's clearly a verse reminding the parents of instruction and guidance. All children need instruction and need guidance. I think we all agree about that. At times, dis and at times discipline. I think we would all agree that children and youth become adults are now responsible for their own decisions, whatever those decisions may be. We can blame our parents, and at times there may be some validity in that. But at the same time, I agree with a quote that I came across this week from Anne Frank. Many of you know and have heard, of course, the diaries of Anne Frank, but she says, parents can only give good advice or put them on the right path, but the final forming of a person's character lies in their own hands. If you're here today and you're continually blaming your parents for the way that you turned out, you are an adult and you are now responsible for your own decisions. You are responsible for what kind of person you are and what kind of person you are becoming. 
Another verse outside of Proverbs that reminds us of this instruction or guidance that we who have influence over children should provide is none greater than Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 7. We refer to it as the Shema. And Jesus used it in the New Testament, uh, part of it, and then I'm going to read that for us today. But Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 7. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your might. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. A clear verse with clear understanding. However, translating the Hebrew here in Proverbs often proves challenging for interpreters. Some of you uh, memorize this verse as to train up a child in the way he should go and when he is old, he will not depart from it. What we read today is a little bit different. It says in many ways the same thing, but it has some um, differences about it. Depending on what kind of Bible you may have, you may see a footnote with this verse or other verses in Proverbs and it may say, such and such a word was not with the original text or this verse reads this way in the Masoretic text or it may have some uh, alternatives or if you have commentary, it may say some other things about this verse down there at the bottom. Another somewhat common way to interpret this verse is one that I heard many years ago. It says, train up a child in the natural way that he or she is going. What it means is their passions, their interests, their abilities, their, 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 uh, yeah, their passions. And so foster that, help them discover those and then train the child up with those in mind. And when they are older, they will not depart from it. This morning, I wanna propose one more way of interpreting this verse by asking the question, could it not only be a verse of instruction, but it could it also be a verse of warning? You've seen the sermon title this morning, Instruction or Warning? And let me explain what I mean. Let's go through the words. Train, the first word of the verse in Hebrew, also can mean dedicate. Uh, we would use this term uh, at the temple. It was often used. And so dedicate a child. The word child is almost universally translated N-A-A-R, near in Hebrew. It generally refers to a marriageable male who is still single. So it's not so much a nursery verse, but more a youth group verse, if you will. So dedicate a adolescent, an older adolescent, if you will. Douglas Stewart, a professor of Old Testament at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary, says that the verse is focused on how parents are to raise their adolescent children. Again, a youth group verse and not so much a nursery verse. The word should that is in many translations of this verse, train up a child in the way he or she should go, according to Stuart, the key to the mistranslation of this verse is wrapped up in that word should. The common misunderstanding of it is the addition of the word should. In English translation, sometimes that is not supported, again, in the Hebrew text, the word should. A more literal and faithful translation might be to raise a teenager in his or her way. This is a verse about letting a teenager go his or her own way without instruction, correction, or discipline. And hear what I mean by this. It is about letting him or her choose for him or herself the course of his or her life. While this is held out as good parenting by many in our world, many of us know it to be simply dangerous and disastrous if we just simply let an adolescent go in the way that they would naturally want to go in. I'd like to propose another possible way of looking at this verse. When he or she is old, 
he or she will not depart. Again, is a warning and not a promise. This is not a promise to parents who raise their children properly, but a warning to those who allow their adolescents to grow up without guidance, who raise them to go their own way. And let me read two other alternative translations. Medieval Jewish philosopher Rawlbag, and I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his name right, offered this interpretation of the meaning of the verse. He says this, train a child according to his evil inclinations and he will continue in his evil way throughout life. Stuart, the one I mentioned earlier from Gordon Conwell, gives us his own translation of the verse. He says, train an adolescent in his own way and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Train an adolescent in his own way and then when he's old, he will not depart from it. This verse is meant to be a warning about the bad results of permissive parenting. If we just train up a child in the way he's going, whatever inclinations or, or uh, longings he has, he goes for them. Of course, when he's older, he will not depart from it. So again, a verse of instruction and I would like to say and a verse of warning for the church today as well. So what does Proverbs 22.6 mean? Yes, a warning to parents as their children enter into adolescent years, but we must not simply let children go their own way and do their own thing. I think we can all agree with that. Solomon had a deep sense of the broken nature of the human soul when he said folly is bound up in the heart of a child. And discipline, or some translations will say the rod will drive it far from them. We see that throughout Proverbs where Solomon mentions that. He reminds us of our own folly, of our own, of our own foolishness. We are not only born sinful, but also foolish with the tendency to make wrong choices. And I think we don't have to look far, most of all in our own lives, to see the foolishness of some of our own decisions. We know that we must be guided, instructed, and disciplined to walk in the ways of God. That is a parent's job, and this is the job for all, again, who have influence over children. The parents who sit back and say, I'll just let my child uh, pick their own way is an utter fool. That child will go their own way and develop character flaws and will follow them and plague them all of their life. I am grateful that I serve a God who doesn't leave us in the midst of our foolish nature, but I'm grateful that I serve a God who forgives, who restores, who cleanses, who guides, who instructs, but who also gives me warning. As parents, again, and as those who influence children, we have been given a great responsibility. As we think and as we have opened our service up with a baby dedication this morning, as we think about many other uh, young children within our church family, as we think about children, maybe in grandchildren who aren't here today, God has given us an ultimate response, I mean a very challenging responsibility to provide instruction, but also a warning to us as well. And we are reminded as we think about the error and the folly of children, we can't help but think about that in our own lives this morning as well. We don't have to look back far in our own lives to see that we wish we would have handled something differently. We wish we would have done something differently. But again, this morning, I don't wanna leave us with that regret. What I do want to leave us with is the reminder that we serve a God who restores, we serve a God who redeems, we serve a God who loves, and we serve that God who wants to guide us and instruct us. Have you placed your faith in the one who loves you, in the one who has given us instruction, who the one that does that through our, our parents and those who have been influencers in your life as a child 
and as a youth, and through youth ministers and children's ministers and others in the church family. And then parents, are we looking to God for that guidance and that instruction in the midst of our mistakes, in the midst of our errors, in the midst of our folly? Are we looking to the God that we are challenging our children and our youth to look to? Let's pray together. God, I thank you that you are the God who redeems. You are the God who restores. In the midst of the instructions that you give us, in the midst of the warnings that sometimes we do not heed, Lord, I am so grateful that your forgiveness is abundant and your grace is sufficient for all of our needs. Father, forgive us where we have erred and for where we have um, pursued our foolish ways. And Lord, remind us that you're not through with us, that Lord, you desire to use us for the next generation to instruct, to guide, to warn. We're grateful for your son, Jesus Christ, and the hope that we have in him. And my prayer today, Lord, is that each one in this place has responded to the good news that's found in your son, Jesus Christ. A story of forgiveness, a story of grace. Father, we love you. Speak to us as we stand and sing. Amen. We're gonna sing a good hymn. We're gonna sing these three verses of We Are Travelers on a Journey. And as we have been reminded earlier, as Alan has reminded us and, uh, with Grayson, uh, that we are all on a journey together. And we all seek the Lord's instruction. We all need to heed the warnings that he gives us as well. But let's stand and let these words speak to us as we sing together. We are travelers on a journey, hymn number 278. If you desire membership in the church, I would love to talk with you about that. If you would like to make a decision this morning, I would welcome you here in the front. Thank you. Uh, Let's stand and sing together. We are travelers on a journey.
Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the instruction and the guidance and the warnings that you give us. And Father, help us to heed those and apply them to our lives this week. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.